Caregiving is a ministry where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Today we're in the book of Galatians, <coughs> excuse me, looking at Paul and how he shepherded the early church. Okay, New American Standard Version, we will begin starting in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel which is not just another account, but there are some who are disrupting, disturbing you, and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached by me is not of human invention, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but I received through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Then, after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of the revelation that I went up, and I submitted to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were who were of reputation, for fear that somehow I might be running or had run in vain. Chapter 2, verse 11. But when Cephas, which is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by faith, by flesh? Chapter 3, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. By now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized to Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Hot dog, can you hear the passion in Paul's letter? Where the letter at Philippi is all rainbows and unicorns? Mm-mm. This letter here to me is more fire and brimstone. Paul is a little bit upset, would you say? Personally, I think this was probably his first letter <laughs> that he wrote. <laughs> because he's so brash. And you know, I think after time and walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit softened him. And so that's why the other letters, even though he's correcting them, we don't we don't have him calling people foolish and all that other kind of stuff. But that's just my personal um, belief. 
Anyway, in looking at this letter, Paul doesn't adhere to any of the structure of his other letters. I mean, he just basically starts off, hi, this is Paul, an apostle of Christ, and then bam, I am disappointed in you that you are so foolish that you could be so easily swayed. Of course, that's Greg Bennett translation. <laughs> but I mean, he goes right into it. It's just like, bam. And so to me, the entire this entire letter, Paul is trying to remind them of the gospel that he preached to bring them back to where they were now whereas with Ephesus he's reinforcing this is kind of like no he's it's like he has to reset them in a sense notice that he as you read um Galatians for yourself you'll notice that within the first part of the letter the first two chapters I believe he's on defense He is stating who he is. And that one um, scripture where I read where he says, I I didn't give you my gospel. (laughs) I gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, he goes back to who he is. you're You're not doing this because of me. You're doing this because of God. And so he's on the defense a little bit. And so it would seem as though... He went, preached to them, thought they were all good, and then left because he's planting churches in other areas, following, you know, spreading the word of God, evangelizing and planting churches. But then other people come behind him and they have this congregation all in a disarray. And so they really have fallen back on the law, um, the Judaic law versus under grace. And so that's why he points them back to Jesus. And you'll see within this book, he he tells them, okay, yeah, we were under the law, but the law's sole purpose was to point to Jesus. Jesus came. He died on the cross for us. We received salvation from him. We are now free from the law. You're not under the law. You don't have to hear to the circumcision. You don't have to hear to the, the kosher and all that other kind of aspects under Judaism. You don't have to do that as believers. And notice that he speaks of him going to Jerusalem to tell them about how the Holy Spirit was moving in the Gentile community. You know, for for them to hear the evidence of that. And the evidence was the speaking of tongues, which every place Paul went, that would happen. And then he'd baptize or they would be baptized. And so that's why Paul talks of Jesus died for all of us. God is no respecter of person. And then he talks about his confrontation with Peter. And remember, we've already discussed this. Confrontation is not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be. You know, I'm movies that I've seen, sermons that I've heard, they all talk about, you know, this confrontation and yelling and all this, and Paul and, and um, Peter being angry with each other. And I don't know, maybe that was the case, but we don't have any real evidence. But yeah, Paul says, I confronted him to his face (laughs) because he was condemned. And it sounds harsh, but I think both Paul and Peter are kind of the same people (laughs) in the sense. But I think it probably started off with a discussion because Paul comes back and says, hey, you've been hearing about what's going on. They're like, yeah, is it really true? Well, yes, and this happened here, and this happened there, and they're going like, I still can't, and they're like, no, and so where it was a heated debate, I don't think it was, you know, like them just disliking each other, and the reason why Paul confronts um, Peter is because, you know, Peter is still kind of on the fence 
with the Gentiles. He says one thing and then he does another. One minute he's like, it's okay for the Gentiles to, you know, to come as if we can hinder the Holy Spirit from doing anything. And he recognizes that the Holy Spirit is moving within the Gentile community. But then he comes back to, well, they probably should be circumcised. And well, and so it's this waffling back and forth of what is being a Christian, you know, mean? Does it mean a severing? from Judaism because at this point in time they were unsure they were still speaking and preaching to the Jewish community because they understood Jesus was a Jewish Messiah and that's who they were speaking about but now that it's coming to the Gentiles you can't expect the Gentiles to then start circumcising and so that whole dynamic of how we now as Christians practice Christianity that is what's being formed here so yeah, there was back and forth, but don't don't think that they were just, you know, dragging out and fighting and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we really don't know one way or another. But Paul continues to preach to them about what he says they should already know, right? Going back to them of, okay, remember I told you this. Remember you're not, um, no longer under the law for you're under the grace you're under grace but it is a different tone than the other letters that we've also looked at so Paul was quite heated here and maybe because of the passion that he has for spreading the gospel Paul is an angry disappointed dad and angry I think because Paul has a heart for God He has the same zeal and passion that he had while he was persecuting the churches, you know, 14, 15 years prior to this letter being read. Well, he still has that same passion, but now it's for Christ. Now it's for, you know, telling people the good news of Jesus Christ, for telling them that they're no longer under the law, for encouraging them. And so to hear that people are reverting back to stuff that he knows isn't right, it kind of, you know, it upset him. Right? And I think it's interesting that Paul says, you know, you need to listen to the word of God through Jesus Christ. And if anyone preaches anything different, and he says, whether it is myself or whether it is the apostles from Jerusalem, you're not to believe them either. You're only to believe and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I like how he de-elevates everyone else and it's like it's about Jesus and so the lesson for us is to not elevate individuals over God and his word we like to do that in the Christian community right we love our pastors we love our bishops our priests and all that kind of stuff and we have a tendency of elevating them thinking that oh they're they're closer to the father And I'm thinking how to, yes, they are in a sense that they may have prioritized God more than what we have in the average sense. Some of my friends would say that I prioritize God more than what they do, right? We're all on a journey, but God also calls us to certain vocations, certain tasks, purposes that he has for us to do. And in us walking out that purpose and task, if it is to teach his word, to preach his word, to sing or whatever, it gives the impression that we're closer to him. But the reality is we're really doing what he's called us to do. 
but we'll elevate people. And if their character isn't mature enough, if they don't understand that the talent belongs to the Lord and and there is nothing, (laughs) there is nothing about them that is good, then as we elevate them, they get the big head. And then they may get off and start doing some things on their own. One of my biggest things is to make sure that my head isn't big. I have a podcast. It sounds great. It amazes me. But I know that when I come and I sit before you and I do the lesson, I know it's not me. I know it's the Lord. I could not do this without him. And so whereas I am honored and proud of the fact that he is using me this way, I recognize that he is using me this way. And so let us be careful to not elevate people. There's a way that you can celebrate people and recognize the talents and the anointing or the calling that um, God places on individuals. But always remember it's God. It's God. So what can we take away from this heated little letter? (laughs) One, it's okay to get angry every now and then. You just can't sin in your There'll be some things that, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to have to nip this in the bud. And that's okay to do. But you can still do it in love. And I know Paul was doing this in love. Or I suspect that he was. What I want us to do, though, is I'd like us to take inventory of what we hold to be true about God. Because remember this letter, Paul is telling them again. Of the salving of, of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That is not the law, that we don't need to adhere to laws and circumcision and being kosher and all this other kind of stuff. We just need to believe in Jesus. And so, what do you hold true about God? Have have you gone off on some kind of tangent? <laughs> thinking that you were doing what God has called you to do, but then you've kind of lost the gospel of Christ in the process. Let's take inventory today and see what we hold true about our God and then look and make sure that we're walking in what we hold true about God, that our walk lines up with our talk. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this hot little letter showing us that it does matter what we believe. It does matter how we act and that we as believers, Lord, that we can keep each other accountable to who you are and to what you've called us to do collectively as well as individuals. Thank you for reminding us that we need to foster our relationship with you to grow and to allow you to speak to our hearts, to dig into your word so that none of the false prophets and preachers that come our way will sway us and have us thinking anything other than what you have said. Help us to hold ourselves accountable to who we listen to and who we allow to pour into our lives. That if it's not based on you if if there's no love there if they're not walking the walk and talking the talk then maybe we shouldn't listen to him always extending grace to each other because we know that we're not perfect but help us to 
know you. To know you in the pardoning of our sins, but to know you as a God who loves us, to know you as a God who delights in us, to know you as a God who has our name tattooed on your hand, and to know your word, and to live your word, and to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, which Paul identifies in this letter. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, humility, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Help us to be known as people after your own heart. Bless the caregivers today. Help them to prioritize you in this busy caregiving season. To know that once they prioritize you, you will prioritize and take care of everything else. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Alrighty, don't forget to take inventory. Go and minister the act of caregiving. In the name of Jesus.